Hello there, and welcome back to your favorite storytelling podcast, Tales from a Cult Insider. I am your insider, your host with the most, uh, Jared Garrett. Uh, for a moment, I guess I lost my name there. I was getting a little caught up in my rhyming. I'm glad I stopped the rhyming. I'm not much of a poet. I know it. Oh, yeah. I think I've made that joke more than once before. Welcome back to this podcast. Uh, as most of you delightful, loyal listeners know by now, I was born and raised in the Process Church of the Final Judgment. This was one of the more infamous cults in the U.S. and the U.K. It started in the U.K. in Oxford uh, back in the 60s, and then it kind of... Uh, had to leave the UK upon losing, I think, a lawsuit of some kind. And they wound up round, kind of being nomads around uh, Central America. And then they came to the US and moved around a while between the 70s and the 80s and uh, mid-80s. And by the mid-80s, they had basically settled into several branches. And they turned into something called the Foundation Faith of God. And also Best Friends Animal Society, which is a legit, really cool organization. Not a cult at all. Uh, speaking of, by the way, any of you cool uh, volunteers out there who are volunteering for Best Friends or even working for Best Friends Animal Society, hit me up, find me, uh, let me know you're listening, and I will tell you some fun stories about some of those cool people that you work with, those guys who founded that, that organization, which is doing really great things for um, the helpless and defenseless animals on this planet. Thank you, Best Friends, for being great out there. Uh, no ill intent whatsoever from this podcast. Glad you're doing what you're doing. Um, and all's forgiven. <laughs> Alrighty. No, that really is. I, that sounds weird, but it really is. Um, don't know why you were so secretive back in the day, but you were. I mean, it's just true. Truth is protected by law. As always, your questions are going to be answered if you pose them. Uh, Facebook, Jared Nathan Garrett, author. Uh, Twitter, Jared Garrett. My email's Jared at Jared Garrett. I'm pretty open and transparent online. I think that's the best way to lead yourself, lead a life online. Is just be who you are, and um, that way, uh, all the privacy things that you, uh, all the privacy efforts you make are uh, valid. And you're, I mean, you get privacy even if you do have or don't have something to hide. Uh, in my case, I intend to never have anything to hide. I just would like my privacy. But since I'm being transparent and open online, I'm going to be me always, always me. Um, luckily, we have no questions today, so we can jump right into our podcast. But I want to. Make a quick note, uh, I, I do speaking engagements when asked, uh, Kiwanis, book clubs, high schools, um, middle schools, elementary schools, whatever, uh, I can come and talk to your people and tell them stories, weird stories like the ones I've been telling in this podcast, but with a theme. The themes that I tend to hit on are things like, how do I take those negative experiences of my childhood and the absence of parents, really, and the absence of any kind of real love, and how do I use that as armor and weapons and tools to make my life still productive and to keep myself healthy and strong, as opposed to letting it become baggage or millstones hung about my neck to, to drag me down. That's what I talk about. Um, some t I don't typically use biblical language in those talks. But that's fine. I can if I want to, and if it, the context requires. Let me know if you'd like me to come around uh, to give to, to speak. It's one of my favorite things to do: is inspire and teach and nurture and, and encourage. And uh, again, no questions today, so we're jumping into the podcast subject, which is 
It's episode 13, lucky number 13, and it's called The Problem of Parents. That's right. Parents aren't a problem. I'm not implying that by any means. Please don't think that I am. However, man, the cult was weird about parents. I don't know why. And I'm going to lead off with that. Uh, Well, no, let me lead off with another thing and then I'll come back to the why. The first thing is that I'm not probably going to share names. Honestly, you might want to know the names so that you can look around you if you happen to interact with any of these folks and say, oh, I know what happened. But I'm not going to, and that is because I don't have permission from my fellow cult, orphan sibling type people. I don't have permission from those guys to share their names on this podcast. I'm not going to go asking for permission because that's not my place. I don't want to I don't want to put them on the, on the spot or impose on them. And so I'm going to either omit names or just change names. In most cases, I'll just omit names. Changing names feels a little disingenuous to me. Um, so that's what's going to happen today. We're going we're gonna to avoid names in as much as I can. I, I can probably do it pretty well here. Uh, so that's one caveat. The other... Caveat? Caveat? I don't know. Caveat? Caveat? Is it caveat? I don't know. (laughs) Enough with the caveats. So the other thing is the why. Some of what I'm going to tell you today in this probably short podcast, I'm going to get through most of these anecdotes, or all these anecdotes fairly quick. It's going to strike you as absurd. Like really absurd. You're going to be wondering, what? But, But that doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? I mean, because, and, and we'll get into the specifics of, of the, in the stories, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to occur to you more than once to ask why. My friends, I don't know. I don't know why they were high strung, why they were so secretive about parentage. I don't know if it was British pride or propriety, but propriety was way out the window from the start. So if it was propriety, that's called incredible inconsistency. I mean, granted, there was an extraordinary amount of capriciousness. Uh, that's a big $6 word that I love to use in relationship, especially to leadership. Um, there was not consistency. Capricious means it changes mind a lot. Um, it, there's not a lot of, there was not a lot of consistency when it came to approach to almost anything, except for the most consistent thing was it was weird, secretive, and tried to keep to themselves, except for when they weren't trying to keep to themselves and they were trying to get publicity. So, and maybe I can get to some of that here in a minute. All right, let's get to the problem of parents, and we are going to start with one of the more colorful ones, and it's not me. We're going to start with one of the guys I grew up with. I'm going to, dude, okay, we're going to stick with that one. Uh, This dude, grew up with him, um, not going to say his age, uh, one of my peers, right? One of of the people, one of the boys I grew up with. Uh, I knew him here and there as a young child and uh, spent a lot of time with him in Dallas. Uh, we lived in the same house. I lived in the same house with about 10 other boys, actually, in Dallas and Dixie. And a good, good young man, hard worker, a natural leader, um, a lot of charisma, uh, good smile, very, very pleasant to be around, uh, good conversationalist, had a lot of fun with him here and there, had some really interesting conversations with him about music while sitting on a kind of a couch that actually was also my bed in one of the central upstairs rooms of, of Dixie there in Dallas. Um, he grew up with his mother telling him uh, that a guy was his father who had left the cult uh, years before. And his mother was saying this for, for his whole life. Hey, no, and, and this, this, this young man I grew up with had, had that other guy's last name, the guy who had left the cult. 
he had his last name, and so it was just made total sense. And this wasn't the only um, situation in which the the person's father had actually already left the cult. Um, my oldest brother Daniel was drummed out of his 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 father was drummed out of the cult, not too long after my mom Magdalene and her husband and Daniel and Dan, her husband being Daniel's father, not too long after they joined Marianne, the weirdo sociopath type person who led the whole cult. Some took a disliking to Daniel's father, Magdalene's husband, and got him to leave, leave, leave his his wife and his son behind in this cult. Uh, and unfortunately, that seemed to happen more. I don't know if it was her, Miss Marianne, terrible woman, drumming out the husbands and fathers, but it, it was more often than you would think. I can think of three um, cases. No, one, two, three, four, four cases in which kids, boys or girls. Uh, didn't interact with their father because their father wasn't in the cult anymore. And in some cases, had never joined the cult. I can, I'm thinking, wow, I've got, I'm at six in my head now. And I don't know what that was, why that was. I don't know if some of those were separations before the people joined the cult or before the moms joined the cult or if it was um, separations because of the cult or during the cult and the, and the man left. I don't know. I certainly don't have a ton of respect for the men who would leave. I, 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 I grant that they had their own reasons um, and their own uh, issues and concerns and problems, for sure, for sure. And, and staying in toxic relationships is not a good thing. Uh, if it can't be worked out, it can't be worked out, you know. I'll, I think many things that people think can't be worked out probably can be with humility and love and generosity. But, uh, yeah, I don't respect leaving your kids behind, leaving your wife behind. Not, Not at all. I don't. Um, I don't intend, I don't pretend to know their intentions or their, the thoughts of their heart. But yeah, in many cases, there were, le- the, there were a lot of dads that just weren't there. In the case of this young man, his dad wasn't there. We'd never met him. He had a weird, stri- he, had a, he had a last name. Um, and we all just assumed that what we were being told was true. We had no reason to believe, disbelieve it because that was fairly common. Um, and it turns out he found out in his mid-20s. When he was already becoming, when he was an adult, you know, and was forging his own path, he found out who his father really was uh, for a variety of reasons. He kind of looked like him. And then um, he found out he had a bunch of siblings who we'd all grown up with in the cult. You know, we already treated each other a bit like siblings, but these were actual siblings. And you know what, guys? They be, they're kind of a cool family now. I mean, that's so sweet. It's so cool that People can find these things out later in life and still have love and forgiveness and happiness and opportunity to to make a family in their lives. I think it's a beautiful thing, um, albeit bizarre. Don't know why this was hidden. I just don't understand it. I don't. I don't get it. It'll never commute, compute. And unfortunately, in one case, uh, one of the other people I grew up with uh, grew up being told that his father had, had left and then found out later that that wasn't his father and it was somebody else. No, no, no. He grew up thinking that this one guy in the cult was his father, but it was actually somebody else who'd already left the cult. And that just seems damaging to me, you know? I mean, why? Why are they hiding these things? I don't understand why they would do it. And so that's one weird, weird one. Um, I'm going to get to mine now real quick. And I'm going to share names because they're my family. What are you going to do, you know? I've already basically mentioned everybody. So... Um, I'm going to try to slow down. I think I might be speaking just a little too fast for the microphone to parse my words properly. 
So I've probably shared a fair amount of this already. My mother wasn't my mother yet, but she joined the cult not too long after having her first child from her first marriage. And so she joined in San Francisco. Her, her name was Magdalene with her husband, don't remember his name, and her son, my brother, whose name at the time was Moss, like what grows on a rock. Name was changed to Daniel soon after. My mother's name changed from Catherine to Seraphine, and later Magdalene. I didn't know her name had once been Seraphine. Had no idea. Nope, didn't know. And uh, that's so weird, but I think it's a pretty name. And they were in the cult for some time. My, my brother Daniel was old enough to remember life without life outside the cult, which is unfortunate for him because he was always dreaming of that life again. He, he always saw the cult as a, a ruiner of his life. Um, she joined the cult and uh, as I've said, you know, her husband ended up leaving for a variety of reasons from what it sounds like. Marianne didn't like him. And then she wound up marrying one of the original founders, a man named John, you see, like I've done his accent before. It's through his nose, right? A very good, hardworking, creative, uh, diligent man who was uh, quite pleasant to be around quite often. Uh, he, he was quite stern and gave off a pretty, I don't know, kind of a angry vibe a lot. But actually, he was a pretty cool guy. Uh, although, I mean, he yelled at me a lot. He yelled at all the kids a lot whenever he had to work with them. But, you know, he still got good work out of us. And we still did good work with him. Um, you know, I built cat pens with him. And in any case, she married this John guy and had another son, my older brother. What's up, Matthias? I'm talking about you now. Um, and so John also adopted Daniel, which is kind of sweet and nice. And then um, Bruce, my dad, he joined the cult uh, in, in uh, Boston. And uh, Boston, I'm not saying that accent right. And he was a charming dude. Uh, got along really well with people, really good talker, uh, and Magdalene and him, they really hit it off, and their union was blessed by Marianne, and I was born, but Magdalene was legally married to John at the time, and that's life, you know, this is the cult for you, it's, it happens, um, and that was fairly common in the cult. So she was married to this John fella, who was from England, and who was on my birth certificate as my father, and so I was told just basically or indirectly and directly John was my dad Daniel one time swore up and down that John was everybody's dad and I don't know what he thought he was protecting me from but he thought he was um, it turned out John had actually adopted Daniel which is very sweet of him uh, but as I grew up I certainly noticed that this other fella who was going by Enoch in the cult at that time um be he was doting on me like he would spend time with me and he would reach out and make sure I spent you know, he, he, he had time to spend with me making a bike and stuff. And I was like, well, this guy must, I think he might be my dad. I looked like him. And so one time I asked him, and this was actually before he gave me the bike. I asked him if he was my father. And, um, I don't remember the setting. It was either Denver or Quaker town. It might've been Denver. The age lines up with Denver. The setting of the storytelling lines up with Denver as well. Uh, one of the rooms in the, De one of the houses in Denver, or it was actually Arvada at the time was a wood paneled room. And that's, I believe, where, where my dad told me about this, the, the, the true story, um, which is what I just shared, um, that he was in fact my father, but he had, um, he, he, he seemed to feel a bit of shame and I, and I really appreciate that. You know, I think he knew that, uh, that, that kids do deserve, you know, parents and 
honesty and stuff. And I really appreciate that in him. I've appreciated that for a long time, that his his desire to be honest and open was strong enough that he could tell me and not propagate some weird falsehood narrative thing that didn't make any sense. Um, and so I, I'm probably the better, better off for it because of that. And also better off because he did spend time specifically, you know, after that, trying to trying to spend time with me. Granted, it was, you know, during some summers here and there, you know, uh, when I happened to be in, in Kanab Canyon or Best Friends, Angel Canyon, as they called it, uh, helping out and stuff. But, you know, everything helps. Every little thing helps. Yes, for all, per, you know, all intents and purposes, I grew up without parents. I never got to do what my youngest son did on the airplane the other day. Um... And I took a picture of it. Yeah, he was sleepy. We had gotten up really early to get to the airport and get on the plane to come back down from Alaska. And he put his head on my lap. He didn't look up and ask. He didn't have to. He just put his head on my lap. And it's one of the greatest things, guys, to have a kid just know that they can trust you. And to have that love be such a huge part, an, an unquestionable part, an unassailable part. Uh, that they know that they have from you. It's unconditional, always there, relentless, endless. It's beautiful, man. And I and I and and I certainly missed out on that as a kid. I can tell you for sure that I missed out on it. And it certainly is a is a thing that I notice, and I miss it today. I miss that. I wish that I'd had that, even though I never had it. I do miss it. And I also, you know, in, uh, kind of vicariously, not vicariously, but at a as a proxy in a way, I miss it on behalf of my parents, that they never got to really have that kind of familiarity and love and that just deeply intimate and wonderful close relationship that I have with my kids. Um, everybody missed out. The cult robbed us of that, many of us of that. Not everybody, as it turned out, but many of us. And that is really unfortunate. And so um, that is me, you know, finding out who my dad was when I was around eight or nine. And... Um, that not really mattering. I mean, because I'll, it just told me my lineage. It didn't give me a parent. It just, it just gave me a lineage. And a lineage is, you could call it lineage, I guess, or um, an ancestral chart, you could say, is good. It's nice. It helps you feel like there may be some connection, but it doesn't give you the connection, the personal, physical, emotional connection that we need to have between families, kids, and parents. Kids are entitled to that. And I don't, I should have had it, um, but I'm okay. I do wish that I'd had it, but I would never go back and change it because I feel like I'm becoming a a person that is worthy, uh, a person that is happy, um, and a person who is close to you know faith and love and family. Anyway, um, even in, even because of, so I wouldn't change anything. I would do, I wouldn't want to be some different person. I like who I am. It's great. Uh, problems and warts and scars and armor and weapons all together. I like who I am. So thanks, cult. Appreciate it. And that is my story. Now, there are a couple of other interesting ones out there. And here's one where there are parent. There were parents involved. This is one of my peers again. Not going to say boy or girl. In fact, this is the case with one, two, three, four. I can think of four uh, of the people I grew up with, boys and girls who actually, because of their parents' prominence, I would guess, in the cult, ended up actually getting a fair amount of interaction with their parents. I think because their parents were high up 
uh, in the cult's hierarchy and were essentially, at, for a long time, branch leaders of whatever branch they happened to live in, that these kids ended up living with their parents for a lot of their young lives, for, for the for at least until age eight, often till age 10 or more. And some of the kids I grew up with lived with their parents their whole lives. Now, it wasn't like the nuclear family, like this This is the situation. We are mom, dad, parents, you know, we weren't, and kids. It wasn't that because there were so many other people in the houses, in, in those houses, right? I mean, these were communes of 20 or 30 people uh, in each branch. So it wasn't the nuclear family situation, but they did get to grow up with their parents. Granted, they didn't call their parents mom and dad in most cases, as far as I know. They did call them by first name, Lucia, Jason, Cyrus, Anne, you know, Raphael, all these people. But I can tell you that some of these people looked to their parent and saw their parent, not some adult who was on the enemy side. They saw their parent. That was not the case for me. That was not the case for many others, most of the others, where we looked at parent at kid at our parents and even other adults, and often saw the opposing side. In, many, in, my, in my dad's case, I never saw an, an enemy, an adversary, but I did often see the opposing side. I needed to stay out of sight. I needed to be careful. Uh, that may have been unjust, unfortunately, in his case, but that's how I saw it. That's how I saw that relationship. It's much different now, of course. We're very close. Uh, could be closer. Not perfect, but we're close. The... Um, the majority of adults, though, were the adversary, the enemy. You needed to watch out for them. But for those kids, they weren't. Their parents, the muckety-mucks, the branch leaders, they were their parents, and they saw them that way. I know that. I saw them looking at them in that way. with their. You could see it in their eyes. And in some cases, it resulted in a weird amount of privilege for those poor kids. You know, I mean, being treated unbelievably differently from the rest of us, from the rank and file who didn't happen to have branch leaders for parents, you know, so they would be spoiled. They would be spoiled in some cases, um, treated better than, uh, certainly separated and feeling other than, unfortunately, feeling other than the rest of the kids. Now, it's nice to have parents. It's nice to have somebody you can trust up and, and, and rely on. Not that I'm sure that most of these kids could do, actually do that, but at least they were sort of there. And the parents certainly did treat them like kids, their own kids, a little better. This is kind of confusing. I'm trying to get to the nuance. There's a lot of nuance here that can't be just summed up, okay? So these kids who had their parents with them certainly had a bit of a, a foundation that you could probably call firmer than the rest of us and had a bit of more of a, of a, maybe a protected existence where they didn't feel like they had to always be on the run or hiding or shrinking or, or getting away from or not worthy of love or not worthy of regard. They got more regard. They got more attention. However, that made them other from the rest of us in many cases. And even if we still treated them like normal, and we tried, of course, we, we saw everybody as just we were all in it together. You can be sure that those kids did feel a little bit separate. You know, why them? Why are they getting the special treatment? Well, they know why. And maybe they're worried that the other kids do see them as different. And we couldn't help but, but still we would treat them and love them still because we were all in it together again. But it's a weird situation, man. Talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I don't know what it is who could tell you that that's not a good situation to be in. It, it, it sets people apart and isolates and it's bizarre. So um, that's another problem of parents there. And the lies, 
the weird lies about who our parents were, or the falsehood or the false narratives that people allowed us to believe, or even the red herring, hey, this is your dad, but it's not, uh, and it was just to distract. Why, why do that? It's a great question. In my case, I really, I really can't figure it out. Honestly, I cannot figure it out. M- my mother and my father got along beautifully. They were, they got along really well, and they were also very charismatic together. This was before my mother became the personal handmaiden of Marianne after Marianne moved into the big mansion that they built at Best Friends. This was when we were still on the East Coast, right, in Pennsylvania and New York, mostly Pennsylvania. And my mother, Magdalene, and my father, at the time Enoch, they were kind of the public face of, of, if not the cult, that branch of the cult there in Pennsylvania. They were interviewed by AMPM, a pretty major daily show, kind of morning show like the Today Show or something, but for local, uh, like a local broadcast. They were interviewed in... They went in, in studio and they came to, NPM came to our house and even did a feature on this group that's doing this thing. And it must have been cast in a very good and righteous and um, interesting light. You know, hey, they're doing these things. Um, and then I, that actually happened once in Dallas as well, where boy, us kids were made to act like we were not uh, as pissed off as we always were. Man, they gussied us up and coached us right up there in Dallas. But in Pennsylvania, we basically were invisible. Um, but yeah, that was that was a freaky, weird situation to have the people who I knew at that, or I was knowing at that point, figuring out that that was my dad, being such public faces. And then they got married, which I didn't mention earlier because I wanted to save it for the last. So at some point, um, I, boy, I can't, re- I can't remember the dates and times. It's weird because I feel like I asked my dad, are you my father? Uh, by the time I was around six or seven, but he thinks it was around, I was, it was older, but I was pretty sure I asked him before he and Magdalene actually got married. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. He may have said we weren't married then, but of course we're married now. I don't know, but they got married. They had a cult marriage, um, a foundation marriage, you could call it because the cult was called the foundation at the time. It was the biggest event of the year. Practically. It was crazy. Uh, a big event there in, I believe, Pennsylvania, where branch members from all around the country, all the branches that were around, although they weren't too far out, I don't think, came in and viewed it. And uh, parents of the bride and groom, like my mom's parents and my dad's mom came out to uh, attend the wedding. And uh, you know who was the ring bearer. I was six years... They got married when I was six. I know that. They got married when I was six. I was the ring bearer. I had a little cushion with these two little gold rings, really skinny gold rings. Although, you know, looking back, I didn't see them as really skinny, but they were very skinny gold bands, uh, very unadorned, very simple, but very nice, elegant. And during the ceremony, I walked up an aisle after them where they were up being married by Faith, who's now the leader of the dogs. They're at Best Friends. She conducted the wedding and they got married and they kissed the bride and I gave them the rings and all that stuff, just like you would expect. And then everybody went home. It was a big party after it and everything. But then everybody went home and that was that. They were married. I don't know how long that lasted. Uh, I know that my dad got married again a couple years later to the delightful and wonderful Susan, um, known as Evelyn at the time. Had a great, great young lady who's my sister, Emma. Hey, Emma. I don't know if you listen to this. Who's got just a beautiful family now. And uh, to tie all that up, when 
I was 18. I had left the cult. Uh, yes, that will be a story that I'll tell not too long from now. My mom and I went to lunch one time. I was preparing to go to Brazil. Um, no, I hadn't, I hadn't gotten that, that, that assignment yet. I was, I'd recently joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, I was kind of putting my life in a, in a path. And I think my mom, even though she didn't ever approve, and she, boy, she really disapproved of the choice I'd made to join the church that I did, she gave me, one day at lunch, she handed me the rings that she and my dad had used when they were married. Somehow she had wound up with both of them. And she handed me these skinny little gold bands. And she said, maybe one day you guys will use these, you and whoever you marry. And we didn't, actually, because they're so small. I don't know how their hands were so small. They're so small, and they're fairly precious to me. I strung them on a piece of leather, and I wore them for a long time, for a couple of years. Actually, more than a couple of years, for quite a long time. And, um, yeah, that was... That was that. I, and I'm getting the timeline wrong. I, I got, she gave those to me after I got home from Brazil. That's what it was. She gave them to me after I got home from Brazil. Sorry for the stream of consciousness. And she was uh, ill, uh, quite ill. Um, and uh, she handed me those. And it was at a, it was at a meal in the Best Friends Cafe. Uh, she'd been struggling with illness for a while. She gave me those and said, keep these. Maybe you'll use them when you get married. We didn't. They are still strung on a leather cord. I, I wore that leather cord around our travels for a while, and now they're in a safe place um, in our home, and I, I see them as a precious thing. As a precious thing, you know, because they are a sign of, you know, there was love between them. They had a relationship and a marriage, which is beautiful. Uh, it didn't last, unfortunately, so I see that as an example of what I don't want to do. I want mine to last forever, eternities. Um, and it's a symbol of, for me, you know, a past that is there. It's important to me, but I don't need to think about it all the time. You know, it's there. It's precious to me, just like the rest of my life. So all this doesn't lead to a big grand moral lesson. But I want to tell you that our time is just about up. And uh, I hope that you've enjoyed these anecdotes and sometimes general details about uh, growing up in the cult. It was a little bizarre. There was quite a lot of conversation amongst all of us cult siblings pseudo-siblings and some blood siblings about who our parentage were, who our parents were, who our dad was. Usually we knew who our mom was with some certainty, uh, but there was often speculation about fathers. Um, and, uh, you know, so not really any lessons there, but I will tell you, I don't understand it. I don't understand how, how there could be such a total, you know, commitment to a cult that you would rob yourself of the experience of being called mom or dad. That you would rob yourself of the experience of being cuddled and being able to cuddle. Your children, hug your 16-year-olds, your 13, your 12, your 7-year-olds. Tell them I love you and hear them and they'll say I love you back. To laugh and giggle and to listen to them talk about their difficulties. How could you rob yourself of those experiences? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It is completely beyond my comprehension. I can wrap my philosophical brain around it, but the emotional part of me, clueless. No idea what was going on there. I don't get it. So I'm sorry you missed out. All you parents who were in the cult, 
who missed out on those beautiful experiences when we were little kids. I'm glad that so many of you are forming family units now, that there's some love there, that there's some uh, intimacy and regard there. It's great. You missed out on a lot, and I'm sorry for that. I hope it hasn't left too deep of a hole, too big of a hole in your heart. I love you guys for listening. Thanks for listening. I want to let you know what's coming. The next three episodes are going to be one long story. I have a big long story that I've been longing to tell you guys. And it's going to take three episodes, I think. Maybe more. Maybe it'll only take two, but I think it's three. To tell you the whole story. So stay tuned, because starting next week, on Wednesday the 9th, you're going to get episode or the first installment of that story. And I'm not even going to give you a teaser. I'm just telling you that it starts next Wednesday. So be ready, guys. Rock and roll. Thanks for listening. Remember to tell your friends. Rate this, uh, review this podcast, raise it up, you know, put the, the stars or the thumbs up or whatever. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and support the podcast if you can. Thank you, guys. See you next week on Tales from Occult Insider.